Good afternoon, Emily Kaplan. How are you today? Just as well as you. I just can't do that voice. That's fine. Um, today is a very special episode of ESPN on Ice because we are both in Bristol. And we decided to try to use the technology that is available to us here for purposes of good, which is to allow for the first time in podcast history, maybe podcasting history, what? quite frankly, callers, real live human beings picking up their phones, mashing a few buttons and reaching out to ask you and I questions live on the air. What's going to happen? Who's to say? What's your relationship with Sports Talk Radio, by the way? Are you a Sports Talk Radio fan growing up or no? Uh, a little bit. Honestly, what I love it most is when I'm traveling to different cities. I love putting it on just to get the vibe of the city and what they're talking about. I enjoy that too, except for the fact that usually it depresses me because they're talking about – now, how do you think the third line – who do you think the, the third linebacker is going to be in the 4-3 in, in, in the formation? Well, Greg, you just and, spend a lot of time in Alabama. And it's, and it's like it's like, you know – June. It's like the Stanley Cup Finals. It's like... And next, we'll hit on Alex Ovechkin. Yeah, uh, no. Is he great? Never. Never. Ever. It's so depressing. But it's always it's always super fun. I, I enjoy Sports Talk Radio. As people know, I grew up uh, in Jersey listening to WFAN, uh, a station that taught me that uh, sports can be taken too seriously. <laughs> But and in fact, they are just sports. And again, and again, my favorite times when I was a kid, and I would put my my grandpa's old transistor radio, a tiny little battery battery powered radio, under my pillow, and listen to uh, Steve Summers and Jody McDonald and all these people that would talk about New York sports from midnight until five thirty in the morning, and they would get calls every minute of the show. There was never a time when they didn't get calls. It'd be three o'clock in the morning. And some guy working the night shift in, in New York was like, yeah, I want to talk about the Mets. I don't know if the Brett Saberhagen trade really worked out for him. Like, like 3.30 in the morning, a Friday night. I love it. And our pet theory is that there are enough people out there who want to talk like hockey at 1.40 p.m. in the afternoon. Exactly. So we're giving them a public service today. All right. Coming up in ESPN and Ice, as we mentioned, callers plus NHL award stock plus Linda Cohn plus puck headlines plus Phil Kessel loves hot dogs plus Satch got your number. It's a fully – Colorful. Colorful show. That's a good word for it. Uh, All right. Let's start the show proper, shall we? From the ice to your earbuds, a podcast about hockey, featuring things to do with hockey. From your friends at ESPN, it's ESPN on ice with Wachinski and Kaplan. Hey, everybody. It's ESPN on ice, the podcast for ESPN talks about hockey. I'm Greg Wyshynski, senior NHL writer. I'm Emily Kaplan, national NHL reporter. And we are both here in Bristol, as mentioned earlier, uh, uh, for various and sundry things. This week, I wrote the latest NHL Awards Watch, which is a real fun column to write every month, if only because it's fun to see exactly how quickly things can change in the various awards races. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you my leaders for each award, and you tell me. What I've gotten wrong. Hmm, now let's it. let's start out with the easy stuff. Elias Pettersson's going to win the Calder, mm-hmm. barring injury. It's locked up and sealed, right? No, no, Miko Heiskanen, no uh, Rasmus Dahlin. Miro. I keep on doing Miko. Don't want it. him to be Miko. I keep on screwing up that. Uh, that is going to be my my Scott Stevens, Kevin Stevens thing <laughs> for for uh, for uh, Doc Emmerich. So Pettersson's got the thing locked up, right? Yes. Okay. So that's out of the way. 
Now, I think Barry Trotz, as long as the Islanders make the playoffs, is going to win the Jack Adams. I would, I would say that, that John Cooper and, and Bill Peters are probably your other two contenders. But where, where are you on, on the Jack Adams, keeping in mind that neither of us actually vote for that award? So I think that's January 8th. And yes, after their 10-game winning streak, this team has fallen off a bit. But if they make a turnaround in the next two months, I still like Phil Housley. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think that's fair. I do think that if the Islanders make the playoffs, though, that Barry Trotz may usurp Housley for the guy coaching a team nobody expected anything for from kind sure. of kind of accolade. Because as I've tried it out a million times, the Buffalo Sabres were everyone in the NHL's favorite sleeper team. Trotz it out. All right. <laughs> so my Hart Trophy uh, favorite, keep in mind that at the time that this article dropped, his team was in the wild card, not so much right now which means that it does affect his status because, as you know, you got to be in it to win it. Mm, love that rule. John Gibson of the Anaheim Ducks, to me, has been the single most valuable player to his playoff-seeded team so far this season. His numbers are off the charts. He's been the best goalie in hockey. Uh, they, they're a bad team, and he has dragged them by the scruff of their neck kicking and screaming into a wild-card spot this year with some remarkable numbers. First... Uh, 35 games, you're talking 923 save percentage, you're talking about a, a goal save above the average of 16.13, uh, 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 6.629 uh, quality starts of 35 starts. He's been insanely good, and the only reason the Ducks are even within sniffing distance of the playoffs. I hear you on that. I, uh, I liked your other two picks, too. <clears throat> uh, you said for the heart that Sidney Crosby's in it, Nathan McKinnon's in it. I'll throw out two more names for you. I understand his team is running away with it. They are the team to beat. They are the deepest team in the league. But Nikita Kucherov is having a heck of a season. That's true. I would not discount him. And I understand this player is one of four of his teammates who are in top 20 in league scoring. Mm -hmm. But Johnny Hockey, heck of a season. I would not discount him for MVP. Yeah. That's, that's really the goaltending they're getting. That's really – that's a good point. Uh, he's He's been outstanding. Um, and it's okay being, as you mentioned, with Kucherov and with, with Johnny Hockey – uh, the best offensive player on your on on an offensively inclined team. It's sure. okay. Um, I go the opposite way, which is to be the only player worth a damn on a bad team. Sure. In Gibson's case, is why you really, really, really want to will Connor McDavid into this award. Yeah. I mean, if the Oilers finish in the wild card, McDavid wins this thing unanimously. <laughs> it's like it's not even. I'm still having an okay had. year, but that's about it. No, I, I don't care. I, I I will say right now, if the Edmonton Oilers make the playoffs, Connor McDavid has my vote. I will give it to him proudly. I love how you're just keeping with the theme of Sports Talk Radio. Just big proclamations. Yeah. January 8th. Mark my word. Right. Until someone sends this podcast link to freezing cold takes. <laughs> Gets me in trouble. All right. Uh, Norris Trophy. I, I saw a lot of love on NHL.com for Morgan Riley, mm -hmm. which makes sense because he's a Leaf. And if there's one team that the NHL is obviously in the, in the, in the pocket for, it's the Leafs. Uh, I go with another Canadian team. I go with the Calgary Flames. I go Mark Giordano. For the Norris Trophy right now, Latang very very close. Riley's been great. I think Giordano though has been for me the best defenseman in the league this year. Plus thirteen goal differential. He's third in the NHL in points amongst defensemen. He's played against real tough competition. He's been an absolute rock back there, and his numbers compared to his teammates are, are quite good. Uh, is there a part of me that is putting him over in the hopes that he gets one? Because I think injuries have taken away at least a Norris away from Giordano, perhaps. But that's kind of the same situation we had with Victor Hedman last year. 
My preseason pick missed a couple games, but he is uh, lurking his way back in there. I got Seth Jones in my top five right now. Oh, there you go. Uh, I think he's having an incredible season. John Carlson, I think he was on your first watch list, dropped off a little bit. He's still there for me. Uh, And I wouldn't discount Brett Burns. I wouldn't either just because of his point total, but I will say this, that the Eric Carlson bandwagon is uh, is rolling. Mm. It's picking up steam. Right into San Jose All-Star Weekend. Uh, Listen, he – I don't I think the interesting debate about Eric Carlson and the Norris is whether cuz he's been incredibly good for at least the last 2 months. Mm-hmm. The question is did that first month when he was still trying to figure out like where to buy milk in San Jose <laughs> like uh does that first month torpedo his candidacy for the Norris because the impression was set that He's had a down year because he's not having a down year. He's been insanely good. Um, and everything that they wanted from him, he's been in the last couple of months, but he didn't get off to a good start. And I wonder how many voters are just like checked out on him because of that. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. And as we've seen so many times with this award, that it is about offensive production for defensemen, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And even though his offensive numbers are down, he's still six among defensemen right now with 38 points. Yeah. That's 35 assists. He's been great. That's in the trophy. I say Gibson over Freddie Anderson. And although Pekka Rene, I think, is going to be on a lot of people's top threes, I say Ben Bishop right now, to hmm. me, has been the, the third most uh, um, effective goaltender in the league this year, playing on a team that's kind of up and down. Vasilevsky's in the mix. Marc-Andre Fleury, six shutouts. Uh, but I think Bishop might be my third guy right now. But I think Gibson – it's Gibson and Anderson, I think, is a two-horse race right now. Yeah, I wouldn't discount Pekka or uh, Vasilevsky for making a late push, or Carter Hart for that matter. Who's to say? Yeah, Car- if Car- <laughs> who's if, to say? Right, if Carter Hart doesn't quit hockey uh, by the <laughs> end of the year, uh, then he'll clearly have a chance to win the the Vezina. Um, Selkie Trophy. I'm going. I'm going. I'm. This is listen. Everybody who has a vote for these dumb awards always has some soapbox they're standing on. And my soapbox is not a soapbox, Emily. It's a stone. I'm standing on Mark Stone because it's time for a winger to win this dumb award. And he's been incredibly good this year defensively for the Ottawa Senators. Uh, an astounding 14, uh, 14% Corsi relative to his teammates. Uh, the best player on that team by leaps and bounds this year and a guy who has been criminally overlooked defensively just because of the position he plays. Uh, we haven't had a winger win the Selkie uh, since Yuri Lettinen many, many moons ago, uh, 2003. So it is time for Mark Stone to take it home. Uh, he is my Selkie guy. Do you know who uh, is getting a nice Selkie push from the Pittsburgh media? Who's that? Our sweet boy, Sidney Crosby. And as he should. Sid, here's the. I don't think this is necessarily the best measure for any award, but I'll put it out there. What guy do you want on the ice, up a goal, needing a defensive stop as a forward? Well, I think that's what it should be, right? Well, there's a lot of other ways to measure it too. But if you're looking for the big, broad narrative perspective on what the Selkie should be, I think that Patrice Bergeron is in that conversation. Always. I think Sidney Crosby's in that conversation. Always. Um, and uh, and Mark Stone, obviously. And Bergeron, once again, will probably have missed too many games. To yeah, it's it's looking that way. All right, and then finally the Lady Bing. Uh, who do you have for the Lady Bing, Emily? I still don't understand the criteria for Lady Bing, so I refuse to vote. Oh, great, great answer. Also, my answer is who cares? <laughs> uh, because the writers should not write for the, uh, vote for the Lady Bing. Lady Bing should be voted on by a consortium of players and on-ice officials. No one who is a writer voting for the Lady Bing has any idea what the award should be. 
it ends up being the person with the most points in the least penalty minutes, in which case it'll probably be Alexander Barkov. Uh, but who, 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 it just, I get rid of it. I don't care. I just don't care. And no disrespect to Lady Bing. I'm sure she's a, she was a fine woman and an upstanding citizen. Well, she is Lady Bing. Yeah. I mean, she's a lady. Bing. Right. But I just don't care about your award at all. And I, as, but on. someone probably does. All right. As we mentioned, keeping with the theme of gentlemanly play. <laughs> we are opening up the phones here on ESPN and Ice to the callers today. It's the first ever ESPN and Ice open line show. So let's get to it. Up first is Sean from Long Island. Hello, Sean. Hey, guys. First time, long time. <laughs> well, we really appreciate that. It's always nice to hear from a fan. Welcome aboard, Sean. Um, what What would you like to talk about in this dumb podcast today? What's What's been sticking well, I- in your craw? You instructed us to yell at you and praise Emily. So, Emily, you're awesome. Keep doing great work and mm. wish you're a dummy. Mm. Yeah, well, you know what? My friends call me Wish, so I don't even know what to say at this point. Um, <laughs> you know, how are you feeling? I, I understand that you're a big Pittsburgh Penguins fan. That's what our call screener told me. What are, how are you feeling about this resurgence? And do you think that Sidney Crosby merits attention for the Hart Trophy? Oh, well, that's a tough one. Well, look, I mean, the thing, the big thing that, that's happening now that didn't happen earlier in the season was their goaltenders are stopping pucks. Well, save for Casey DeSmith the other night. But mm. Matt Murray's back into his form, and Sid's being Sid, and uh, the defense is playing a little bit better. And so uh, this is what you got. You, you, knew, what, you knew it wasn't going to happen again with, with what happened under Mike Johnson. They weren't going to kind of tumble like they did. So uh, they still got, you know, at least – a couple good runs in them, you'd think. Mm-hmm. Sean, you just seem like such a reasonable guy, and I appreciate you know your praise for me and your yelling at Wish. Uh, give us your hottest hockey hot take uh, for the rest of the year. Oh, hottest hockey hot take. Um, oh, here's one. Oh. Why is nobody talking about the fact that Ovechkin's pulling out of the All-Star game because the All-Star game is in San Jose? Mm. And, and what's the conspiracy there? Well, I mean, imagine if it was in like Philly or Carolina or or somewhere close to the D.C. area. You think maybe he would go rather than taking two cross country trips in the span of four days? Now, according to my map, and as you know, I'm a flat earther. San Jose is significantly closer to Russia than is Washington. So perhaps you'd think he'd go then. I guess. Maybe you don't buy the idea. Maybe, by the maybe. hold on, you don't buy the idea that that he's not going because of the Olympics last year. That's my that's my pet theory. Is that it's that's my the dumbest? That's the dumbest. Let me yell at you now for real. That's oh, the, that's Christ. such a dumb idea. Why? How is this going to hurt the owners? If he really wants to hurt the owners, how about he just says he's only playing home games the rest of the regular season? <laughs> so he affects well, their gate. It's not. It's not about hurting the owners. It's about, it's about feeling like he's not going to be. Gary Bettman's dancing Russian marionette anymore because they wouldn't let him go play in the Olympics. And by the way, he lost out on a gold medal. He would have won it with Russia in name only. Okay, so he only said he's stepping out of this all-star game. What about next year? Mm. Is he done? Sean, I'm is with this you. Is he an annual thing? I'm with you. You know what? If this is a player that really mm-hmm. wanted to stand up and say something, he has a total backing of his team and his owner mm-hmm. that he'd have no repercussion. He should do it. Say, I'm never playing an all-star game again until I go to the Olympics. I don't know. Not playing yeah, the all-star game. Ted Leonsis kind of... was going to bend over backwards to let him play in the Olympics, and yep. that kind of fizzled out. Not playing the all-star game is kind of Crosby's lane. So, I mean, you know, 
All right. We don't want to offend you, Yinzer. Sean, thanks for your time. We appreciate the call. All right, guys. All the best. I'll, I'll hang up and listen. <laughs> appreciate you. Uh, let's go to Brad from St. Louis. Brad, you're on ESPN on Ice. Hey, this is uh, Brad from St. Louis Game Time. Long time no see there, Greg. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just curious. You guys have uh, talked about, and Greg, I don't know, on your myriad of podcasts, you've talked about <laughs> Vladimir Tarasenko being on the trade block mm-hmm. here in St. Louis with the Blues and that that was a bad idea. They need to make some changes, though. Obviously, things are not going very well. They win one, they lose one, they lose one, they win one. There's no consistency. So, so who on the Blues do you think they should think about parting ways with? I think there's been a rumor of Braden Shen. He has one more year left in his contract after this. Uh, some rumors in Boston. Do you think he might be a guy, or who else do you think on the Blues roster? Great question. First, Pat Maroon is gone. I I, I'm, I feel <laughs> awful about it. I love the guy. I love the story. They're not going to get much back, but it just hasn't worked out. And look, he'll be a great fit for a playoff team with the style he plays. Uh, Shen is a guy that's really interesting because when we heard that rumor that everyone is on the table, including Tarasenko, um, we obviously assumed Tarasenko, right? But the return for him would be enormous. I, I think they're asking for the stars and the moon. Uh, I could definitely see Shen going. The name I'd really look out for is Alex Petrangelo. And I think it's really difficult because he does have a no-movement clause, so it would be a conversation with him about waving. And I, from my understanding, he does really like St. Louis. But if the player of that caliber is on the market, there's so few blue liners available, uh, he'd be so attractive. First of all, let, let, point of clarification. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I am in favor of trading Tarasenko if it means that you get the kind of return that you could get for him. I, I, the, and what return is that? It's well, a first round pick. It, uh, it would, it NHL would be, ready player. It would be something larger than the return for for Duchesne, uh, and um, it would be immediate immediate help in some cases. At least one NHL level play. Look, he's one of the top ten goal scorers in the league for like the last five years, and that kind of player isn't always available. And if you've got yourself what you believe to be a top flight center, you're gonna you're gonna go and get Tarasenko, and he's gonna score a hundred goals, and the Blues will feel bad about that for a second, but then feel good about it in the long run. I, I'm not opposed to trading him. Now, I love the idea of trading Shen because I think it's a pump and dump. You know, they they played him with Schwartz last year, and he put up a bunch of points, and everybody's you know fawned over him, and now you get rid of him. Um, but the thing that Emily did not say, and I I congratulate her for this. And what's that? Don't trade Colton Pareko. He's going to be the most desirable guy that you could trade, but don't deal him. He's he's not part of the problem. Unless you ask for the stars in the moon and you get it. Not even then. Really? Oh yeah. No, I I, tra- I would trade Tarasenko ten times before I trade Pareko. What do you think, Brad? Uh, that's an interesting take. Uh, he he came onto the scene as a rookie and a second year player. Uh, he earned a contract extension. He makes five, more than five million dollars a year now. He has shown that he is a little bit reluctant to unleash the power of his slap shot. Hmm. He, uh, two seasons ago, he broke a stick like every four shots, it seemed like, and, and he's really kind of passed up a lot of open shots. And that's really been a bugaboo for, for the Blues this season is passing up shots to make an extra pass to hmm. try to make teammates play better. Uh, I think the Blues would be open, and there's been rumors. I know Ed, I know one rumor was Edmonton was really interested in Pareko. Hmm. Um, I, you know, his age, he's still, he's still really young. He's yeah. still pretty, yeah. I, 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 I mean, he would be a really desirable piece for sure. He's 25 and he's got, he's at 5.5 through 2022. Like, I, I hold on to that piece. I clutch it like a child would a blanket. Uh, 
rather than deal him for anything. Because what are you getting? What are you, well, I mean, listen, the only place I would consider trading him is, is Edmonton because you might get McDavid. I mean, because it's, it's, it's... Leon tries it all. Let's yeah, just throw him it's, in. It's Chiarelli making the deal. It's a defenseman for a forward. You you possibly could get McDavid. Um, but no, I, I would hang on to him. And uh, and I would only, again, just to reiterate, I would only trade Tarasenko if the return was overwhelmingly good because he is a very special player and, and still a, a viable commodity. All right, Brad. Thanks for calling. Next up on the line, a very popular area for our callers. It's Eric from Long Island. Oh, God. Eric, hey. How are you? Um, well, I just wanted to talk about the Islanders, of course, yeah. the team on the island. Uh, we're definitely um, probably going to make the playoffs this year. Definitely but... probably. You feel good about this, don't you, <laughs> well, Eric? Well, because Barry Trotz, how many times did he missed the playoffs? Can you get that stat up uh, in his career with Nashville? Not that many times. So I expect them to make the playoffs. But unfortunately, as Islander fans, we're, we're worried that we're going to lose our you know, unsigned free agents, Lee, Eberle, and, uh, and Nelson. So we want to stick with the plan. We want to get rid of El- Eberle and sign Lee and possibly trade uh, Nelson. We're, you know, I'm looking at this as a 15-20 year thing where we lost 15-20 years because of NASA politicians and Mike Milbury. So <laughs> what do you guys think is the plan that Lou has going forward, even five years from now, and to pick a successor eventually? I mean, because we're looking to make this, you know, into one of the best sports franchises again in the world. What do you guys think? Three years, by the way, out of the last, I think it's 14, that uh, that, that Trotz didn't make the playoffs all of them with Nashville. Um, hey, look, I, I, I think the good news for the Islanders is that uh, the cupboard is is anything but bare right now, down down in the, in the minors and, and and amongst the prospects. I oh, think yeah. oh, I, yeah. I think I think the thing about this season that people kind of lost sight of is that it was supposed to be a transitional year. It's it's, it's thrown a bunch of. You know, Volteri Fupil sized band aids on things until. Don't forget the, about my boy Tom Kunakle. Uh, and also Leo oh, Komarov. Kunakle's great. Yeah, like throwing those band aids on things until until the young guys can kind of uh, the next wave, the next generation can kind of take over. Um, look, I, 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 I'm as surprised as you are that they are doing as well as they are. I knew well, that I'm they'd not be that surprised. I'm surprised. I'm surprised. Hold on, you're not surprised that minus Tavares and with. That goaltending on paper, that they're a playoff team at this point? Well, going into the year, I thought we would either be a bottom five team, try to get Hughes, go from there, or we would be on, in the, bu- on the bubble. So I, I thought we could be a bubble team going in. Okay. Now, I didn't, it could turn out where we end up with 100 and 102 points. That I did not expect, admittedly. Right, right. So, um, to answer your question, I, I, I think that they are on the right track. I think the the thing about it is that Barry Trotz is going to be there in the long term. My question when they, when Lou Lamarillo took over the team, does that mean line of succession Chris Lamarillo hmm. takes right. over for dear old dad? He's he's currently uh, director of player personnel. Is 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 it a Lamarillo family project? The Islanders, and by Lamarillo family, I don't mean you know the family. I mean, father and son. No, I understand. All right. And I just wanted to uh, go over some of the names that we do have uh, coming into the system. Noah Dobson, Bode Wilday, 
Oliver Wallstrom, mm-hmm. who, you know, goal was taken away from him a few days ago, which is, still can't believe it. Um, you know, we have Bellows, he's, you know, he's yeah. been a great scorer. We have a lot of talent coming up. Yeah. Koi Valu, this kid. Yeah. And it's great. You look at their next few draft classes, they have all their first round picks, all their second round picks. Yeah. So. And there's this kid named uh, Barzella here is pretty good. He's okay. Yeah, he's okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Eric, thank you for calling. All right, next up, I'm pretty excited about this. We've got someone from a very warm weather state, and that's Chris from Miami. Chris, how's it going? Hey, how's it going tonight? It's going great, Chris. How are you? And uh, it's nighttime where you are. Where are you? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, sorry, I just I woke up from a nap, so I'm still kind of out of it. I thought it was some kind of hit Miami <laughs> thing where every day is night in Miami. It's brutally hot. It's brutally hot. Mm, tough life. What do you want to chat with us about today, Chris? So I think we should completely change up the Winter Classic format. Oh, Ooh, you're speaking to me. Come on. So we've seen a lot of the same franchises do it over and over again. We've seen a lot of complaints that the you know strength of the game isn't as good as it could be. A lot of these teams aren't in their you know tip-top shape when it comes to when these matches actually happen. Mm-hmm. So I'm suggesting the Winter Classic should be a cup final rematch from the prior season at a neutral site. So cup final rematch from I last year love it. at a neutral right. site. Interesting. Right. All right. And you can build it up like a wrestling style, like the big return. You can talk about it all season. Fans that couldn't afford final tickets last season can travel towards it. You reward your two strongest teams with New Jersey's, a lot of promotion. You put them on NBC for you know, a nice ratings pop. I think it's the you know, best of both worlds. So now, logistically, the way I, I see this working is you have to extend the Christmas break or make this over the Christmas break. Because right. how are you going to leave the holes in the schedule open? Oh, yeah, that's true. Listen, there's only one flaw in your plan, and it's this. It's not a winter classic. What you're talking about is something that I've thought about many times. And so you and I are simpatico on this. That okay. game you just described is the first game of the season. Neutral site. That works, too. Neutral site. Curtain jerker of a game. You have everybody right. make a pilgrimage to a neutral site. And you watch a Stanley Cup final rematch as the first game. And then the team that wins the cup, their next game gets to be the banner raising. So they get to have like two parties. So I like your idea, idea, just not as a winter classic, but I do like the idea of outdoor game, kick off the season. You could do concerts. You could have all of the NHL popular artists like the Bare Naked Ladies. Right, yeah. Come on, that's not true for the stars here. Um, you know, bare naked ladies or train or uh, really Whatever any of the artists. That, 90s band yeah, that had one hit. Exactly. Local H, really anybody that you can think of will make this show. I saw local H on New Year's Eve. And not a surprise. I saw him at the Bears game. <laughs> and uh, so, Chris, I think that you are onto something. I just hate, I hate your idea for the Winter Classic, but I love your idea for the first game of the season. Well, cool. I appreciate you guys taking my call. Have a good one. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, Chris. All right, next up, and I'm going to channel my inner radio host here. Okay. We got Will from New York. Willie, how's it going? <laughs> good. How are you guys doing? We're doing well. Great. How are you? Uh, good. I was just wondering what you guys thought of the new All-Star format. Um, it seems like this year, especially more than other years, there's been a lot of snubs. Um, guys like Mitch Marner, who's seventh in the league in points, and he doesn't get to go because every team needs to get a representative. Uh, just kind of wondering if you guys had any thoughts on ways they could improve that and, and – uh, so that there's not as many snubs as there seems to be this year. Mm. Well, let me ask you this first, Will. Do you like the three-on-three format as it stands now with the four divisional teams, a little mini tournament here? Do you like that? For the All-Stars? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think it's a little bit more exciting um, than it has been in past years. It's it's not really great, though, because it's just so high scoring. So I wouldn't say overall I'm a fan of it now. Let me ask you a follow-up question. Do you like every team having representative in the All-Star game? Well, I guess I'm a little biased here because I'm a Maple Leafs fan. So I feel like there's a lot more All-Stars on the Leafs than they're going this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe if I was a fan of somebody like, uh, I don't know, the Coyotes or something, then maybe I would like it. But So I guess it would fluctuate in, in terms of that. But as of now, uh, I'm not a fan of it. It's tough for me because as a kid, as a Devils fan, and I was a Devils fan in the 1980s when they were hot garbage, um, it meant something for me to see a, a Kirk Muller or a John McClain in the All-Star game. So there's a bit of bias on my part that I feel like trying to get every team a representative in the game is important. But at the same time, I want it to be a very entertaining game. And the idea that a Mitch Marner is not a part of it is kind of frustrating. So I think the only solution is expanding the rosters a bit just so you don't have these snubs. Someone made the point yeah. that there should be a 23 and under team, like like a, like a team North America team within the, the fabric of the All-Star game. And I don't know what that would end up being. Maybe Maybe you make it like... West, East, World, and and 23 and Under. Well, the idea, and I believe it was um, proposed by someone in Canada, but it's that instead of the World Junior Tournament, instead of the All-Star Game, rather, we have the World Junior Tournament there, and every NHL team is required to release their eligible players. Oh, interesting. Well, 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 at the end of the day, aren't you happy that a lot of Leafs aren't going to the All-Star Game so they can rest up? and Like, you don't want Freddie Anderson replacing Carey Price in the All-Star Game, do you, if he was healthy? Yeah, no, I I probably wouldn't. All that's right. that's also a good point. Yeah. All right. Well, we're all we're all very sad that you have so many great players. That uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. some of them. This have is to just stay one home. big flex by yeah. you, wasn't it, Will? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Whoa, whoa, are the I Leafs fans the on a pedestal? All right. Well, thank you. It. Thanks a lot. And now joining us is Alex from Maryland. And Alex, we understand that you feel very passionately about one topic in particular. Would you like to share? Yeah. Hi. First time, long time. Uh, <laughs> so. Not not trying to dig into any kind of Capitals information, but uh, definitely a rant for a different day. I wanted to talk about icing and how every year we kind of keep changing the rules with hybrid and first to the puck or to the dot or whatever it is. And I feel like we're not really digging at, you know, the real issue behind icing and how it can, like, actually improve offense or, you know, kind of get scoring chances going. And I kind of feel like if there's kind of like a two- or three-second clock on when the puck gets dumped from those two lines, like if a defender's back there already, clearly the team was planning on, you know, worrying about an attack, or if there's somebody who's almost to the puck and it's a foot race to the dot, then there might be some offense being created, and and it just gets blown dead as some kind of ceremony. And I feel like if there was just – you know, a real dump, like if it's three seconds and nobody's on the puck, then yeah, that's a delay of game and we can go back to the face-off. But, you know, why create these arbitrary rules when we could just kind of, everybody just starts counting with their fingers? But, but Alex, like it, whenever it gets to icing, the conversation inevitably goes back to player safety. So how do you, how do you square that with your desires for, uh, for icing oh. rules? Say that one more time. Sorry, I said. I said. Whenever we start talking about icing and tweaking it and things of that nature, it always seems to circle back to issues of player safety, uh, which is how we ended up with hybrid icing: is guys crashing into the boards and breaking their legs, the whole thing. So, how do you square the player safety aspect of the rules with with what you want out of icing? 
I mean, I guess, I guess that's a, I guess that is a, a good point that I never really considered. But at the same time, it's if it wasn't a foot race to be first to the puck, it wouldn't be a reckless dead sprint going headfirst into the boards. If it was just that you felt like you had enough time, you kind of approach it. The defender might take a defensive position, assuming that they might not beat them to the puck, or vice versa. It, it, when it was a dead sprint to the puck, it would just be two guys going headfirst in and just crashing in. But if that was, if it wasn't a foot race, then that element kind of steps back and it starts getting more into playmaking because other guys would join the rush, assuming you could actually create something with it. Right. But if it's so out of reach, then you're not going anywhere, so you just kind of let the puck go get blown dead. And finally joining us, John, you have the blessing of being our final caller of the day. Yeah, I was, I was curious uh, to know what uh, your guys' take would be on uh, Phil Housley's uh, potential hot seat status given his handling of the roster uh, post 10-game win streak. Ooh, and is... wish, I'm hoping for a good answer as a uh, Game, game show Friday loser. <laughs> this, is a, this is an old school podcast reference day here. No, so I, I think what, first of all, let's start off with the basic, which is that I think Phil Housley's stock as a coach of the year candidate has dramatically changed in the last month or so. Um, but as far as his handling of the roster, look, I, I think that what's happened with Buffalo this season is going to buy him a ton of goodwill, even if they end up not making the playoffs. And I still think they're all right. I think that his performance this season is is going to buy him some goodwill. I also think it's one of those years where they might be a little bit ahead of schedule. Um, all you could want out of this year was some playoff contention to get those guys a taste of it and then give Jason Botterill another offseason to really kind of start filling out that roster with some extra people. So I think I think he's going to be okay. But as you know, I'm not exactly the biggest Housley fan when it comes to him being a head coach. I still... The jury's still out for me as far as whether or not he's got the comportment to be the guy. I think he's proven he could be a hell of a defensive coach in the league. I just don't know if he's got the comportment to be the guy yet. Yeah, all the guys in Nashville rave about him. I think they swear by him. For me, this isn't about Housley's relationship with Jason Botterill. It really comes down to the Bagulas. They're a very active ownership couple. Uh, they have a big say in what happens. And I think for them, it's about perception, really. And if the perception of the Sabres is different now than it was at this time last year, and if they seem like a team trending up, I think his security is great. John, I, I, I hesitate to ask this because as a, a Sabres fan, I know you're you're a, a born pessimist. Um <laughs> But do you think you're going to make the cut? Yeah, I, I think it, out of this season, I was just hoping for fun as opposed to apathy. Right. Are you having fun? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. All right, cool. Thanks, John. All right, take care, guys. So, Greg, that was a ton of fun. We did have two callers that called in we just didn't have time for. One was Donnie, and he wanted to know, why do we as the media get obsessed with things that happen in November? My theory on that is, look, we all know about the not-so-arbitrary Thanksgiving cutoff. If you're in playoff position yeah. on Thanksgiving, you're likely in playoff position for the rest of the year so if it happens in november it's good and the final caller was from sean and he had a question specifically for you and he said greg you know it's 2019 right now what will you be doing in three years when the leafs win the cup um ah it's a tough one because uh okay so so the 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 first layer of this parfait is that i don't ever want to see a canadian team win the cup so on that from that aspect i'll be i'll be sad on the other hand, uh, I do have a certain uh, affinity for the, the Leafs in the sense that they're a team with a, an epic championship drought. Mm-hmm. And anytime that you can see a team with an epic championship drought 
win win one and break that schneid and see the outpouring of joy from people generations of fans that have uh, only dreamed of seeing this moment um i think they they could be the chicago cubs of hockey and that part there's a part of me that really would feel happy about that um i would be happy for kyle dubas and i would be happy for brendan shanahan i'd be happiest if they win while austin matthews is the captain and then an american from the desert skates over to take the cup from Gary Bettman because otherwise Toronto would have never won without the help of an American. So on balance, Emily, I'd say that I'll be happy that the Leafs win the cup. Um, Less happy will be my reaction to what I will imagine will be 20 years of mega on steroids and sufferability from Leafs fans. Like they're already insufferable. And now I feel like, I feel like they'll be, it's like their insufferability will be hit by incredible Hulk gamma rays and just, <laughs> just, just become grow seven sizes when they win the cup. Cause li- literally they will wear like a, a bulletproof vest. It'll be, it'll be 2040. And someone will go, Leafs suck. And they'll be like, oh, yeah? What about the 2020 cup, eh? And that's it. And then you just that they won't care anymore. They'll be impervious to pain. Do you know what's not impervious to pain? What's that? My love of discovering new things. <laughs> and did you know that Discover is the official credit card of the NHL, Greg? I had no idea. With Discover, you can show how much you love your team everywhere you shop with a personalized card featuring your favorite NHL's team's logo and colors. But no matter what team you root for, Discover is committed to rewarding all of their new card members with cash back match. Only Discover offers a dollar for dollar match of all the cash back you've earned at the end of your first year. Automatically, no caps, no signups. You redeem your rewards at any amount, at any time, and they never expire. With all that extra cash, you can treat yourself to center ice seats at the game, your favorite player's jersey, or maybe you can buy some headphones to listen to your favorite podcast on. Mm-hmm. So try it and believe it at discover.com slash NHL. Only for new card members and limitations apply. All right, now it's time for our favorite segment each week. Phil Kessel loves hot dogs. No, he does not love to eat hot dogs. Our weekly look at sad hyperbole and strange narratives of the hockey media. Good one, Randy. Good one. It's time for Phil Kessel loves hot dogs. Uh, each week we chronicle the foibles and mistakes and misgivings and regrets of the hockey media or the hockey media adjacent, which I guess is what Carlo, Carlo Coliacobo is. You may remember Carlo Coliacobo from such teams as the St. Louis Blues and the Toronto Maple Leafs during his NHL career. He's also contributed to TSN radio, uh, as well. Uh, he was watching ye old world juniors, uh, this past week, as many of us were, uh, and had a problem when Klim, 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 sure, uh, Kostin of, uh, Team Russia, uh, refused to take, uh, the team picture and said F you to the fans <laughs> after Team Russia was, uh, was knocked out of the tournament. Um, Mm-hmm. Or knocked out of gold medal, you know what I'm saying? Sure. Um, said Carlo Koliakovo, I understand losing can be emotional. It's happened to me many times in my career, but you don't act disrespectful or be a sore loser about it, especially when you're the captain of the team. 
hashtag classless, hashtag world juniors. Now, we've talked about this before on this podcast. You can't pick and choose when these guys are kids. <laughs> oh, they're kids. Don't say mean things to them on Twitter. Oh, they're kids. Don't put these expectations on them. They're just young and they're playing for their country. Oh, they're just kids. But don't you dare be disappointed by defeat and do rude things because you're a professional, but a child, but also a professional, a professional child like Fred Savage on the Wonder Years. Like, why do they can't be kids and then tell them not to cry and say F you and they lose? That's what kids do. It teeters this awkward line. Well, you have to draw the line. Sure. They're either kids or they're not kids. They're, they're either amateurs, uh, who, who are, who are, you know, in, in the uh, hockey equivalent of the Little League World Series, or they're NHL prospects playing in a very serious tournament that makes people a lot of money, representing their country. The stakes are quite high. If they win, they get praised like adults. If they lose, they get treated like children. See, I stand by my position that it teeters this awkward line because they're in this awkward stage of their life where they're not quite kids because they're old teenagers, but they're not quite adults. And I think it was perfectly encapsulated by Clem Costin, who not only, you know, was a little maybe immature and didn't handle great in the moment and then showed incredible grace and maturity by apologizing and taking full responsibility the next day. So, so in, other words, in other words, not a girl, but not yet a woman, just yes. like Britney saying. You know what? Whenever I'm in doubt think of Britney Spears. That's right. She's the guiding light to all of us. Um, all right. Now it's time for puck headlines. Dateline World Juniors. We'll stay there for a second. <sighs> Capo Caco beat goalie Caden Primo on a backhander off a rebound with 126 left to give Finland its fifth World Junior hockey title in a 3-2 win over the United States on Saturday. I watched this. It made me very sad. <laughs> uh, the Americans did not play that well, um, especially in the first period. I'm happy for uh, Capo Caco mm-hmm. because I feel like his stock probably rose a little bit with regard to the NHL draft. It's going to be the total Patrick Line versus Austin Matthews conversation. Sure. Literally. And uh, I'm happy. I guess I'm happy for the U.S. because it's still a silver in a year when uh, Canada uh, didn't even get to participate in a game that involved a medal. So that makes me happy, but I still really would have liked to have won that tournament. It was a really fun tournament. The game against Sweden was insane that third period. Look, this wasn't the best U.S. World Juniors team that we ever put out. Uh, the goaltending was a question mark. There were some sloppy games, as you said, but I thought they played well. I think the bigger story here is how a country of 5 million, Finland, has become a superpower and just the way they've changed the approach to coaching hockey, mm-hmm. um, how they're trying to t- coach superstars and coach individual talent while also fostering team. And uh, it's lovely. I asked this on Twitter. I'll ask you, if you take the name Caden Primo to a hundred people on the street and say, Caden Primo, uh, YouTuber or hockey player, what do those percentages look like? 50-50. (laughs) 50-50. I go 60-40 YouTuber. Uh, Dateline IIHF, the governing body of world hockey, is considering playing all international games, including the Olympics, on smaller ice surfaces. Rene Fasal president of the International Hockey Federation and a well-mustached man, believes that a tighter rink size uh, that is currently used by the NHL can make for more exciting hockey. Quote, more and more now when we are watching the games, especially the juniors here in Canada, 
Maybe one of the reasons the tournament here is on a very high level, maybe, is the size of the small ice. The standard NHL rink is 200 feet by 85 feet. The international standard is 197 by 98. I find this to be perhaps the single most unintentionally hilarious thing I have ever heard where everybody over here, every single time there's an Olympic tournament or something else, starts crying about how the ice needs to be bigger. If only we had bigger ice, bigger ice, better hockey. And now the IHF's like, you know what? You guys got it right. Smaller rinks. It's the best. Now what? Now what are these people going to complain about? I love it. I wonder if it opens the door. I don't know. For what? I'm wondering. Oh, to go like four and four? Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm listening. Four on four Olympics? Who's to say? I, I'll say I need to start searching around for a syringe to put that in my veins. Well, especially if there's no NHL players in Olympics, I think you have to up the entertainment oh, value. I could, I, I, I was, that was a soapbox for me when, when the NHL didn't go is like, you can have a bunch of janitors and beer league players in the Olympics, but if you play it three on three or four on four, it'll look great. Yeah. That was always, I was, I'm it gives it that. a novelty factor. I'm down with that. Dateline Los Angeles, it was a uh, 90s throwback night, I believe, in L.A. this weekend. Thomas Middleditch, comedian, star of HBO Silicon Valley, showed up, except he wasn't Thomas Middleditch. He was, in fact, a character named, I believe it was Jay, Jay Babcock, was it, Ryan? Tony Babcock. Sure, Tony Babcock. Maybe a nod to Tony Clifton there, the uh, alter ego of, of Andy Kaufman. Uh, here, here's, uh, here's what uh, Tony Babcock sounded like. Well, I tell you, we're having trouble. The fish were being a little pesky on the line there. So what I did, I stripped off down to my birthday suit, and I inverted dive right into the water and plucked him out with my two bare hands. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you got something on it, too, right? He's a legend, this guy. I haven't seen you in a while. I I hosted a golf tournament in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, where I'm from. And you came a couple years there, and my uh, my buddy, The Big Show, you guys were golfing together. You bet. And he actually got a hole-in-one. You're you're naked running around the green. It's a similar theme. In all my life, I tend to get uh, a little Make nude it. with a bunch of attitude by the end of the evening. <laughs> you were nice enough to add your analysis to Connor McDavid, and uh, oh. you were able to draw on this. And we'd love you to, you know, take the fans through your analysis and how you get things done. Sure thing. Here we go. That's a little bit of a razzle dazzle, bingle bangle. Uh, right now, he's heating up the oven to a cool 450 because he's gonna bake a pizza pie with any toppings he wants. You've got uh, this guy's gonna go that way, and that guy's gonna go this way. A little bit of magic, even though it's not Disneyland. You got one, two, three, four, six o'clock rock, and it's all about Babcock. Let wow. me tell you, this guy, it was such a clean break, he only needed to wipe once. You hear what I'm saying? Oh, yes. I'm loud and clear. <laughs> so, um, irony being that Middle Ditch is known for getting nude uh, a lot, actually. In his, yeah? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of a, a funny go-to thing. Good stuff there. Anytime that you can uh, mock the folksy, old-timey Canadian announcer, you're, you're endearing yourself to me. That's for sure. Uh, Dateline Philadelphia, Mike McKenna uh, gets a start in goal for the Philadelphia Flyers uh, as we do the show uh, in tonight's game. The seventh flyer to start for the flyer, the seventh goalie rather to start for the Flyers this season. The Philadelphia Flyers have only had seven defensemen play a game this season. It's incredible. The eighty-nine to ninety Nordiques actually set the record for the most starting goalies in a season. Wow, it's seven. Wow, we're only halfway through the year, so there's still a chance. There's still a chance. What other journeymen are out there? All right. Well, Ron Hextall needs a job. 
You know what's crazy about that Nordiques team? What's that? Is that Scott Gordon was actually one of the goalies they used. No kidding. Yeah. All right. Fun fact for you. Dateline, the Golden Globes. Emily, why didn't you watch them? Meh. (laughs) (laughs) Mad because it's the Globes or mad because of the movies that are up for them this year? Yeah, I don't know. I've just kind of gone a little sour on the whole awards show circuit. Rich people congratulating themselves. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about how woke they are. Yeah. It was after the Bears game. I think I got in bed, Mm -hmm. read a book, fell asleep reading the book. We should pause in that Bears game for a second. I was I attended the you were Bears there. game. Yeah, I ter- I, I, and I, 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 I have to tell you that the feeling in that stadium was akin to the feeling I used to feel at Capitals games when every little mistake the the fans knew that they all the little mistakes were adding up and mm-hmm. there was a sense of impending doom. Like there was definitely that feeling at Soldier Field. But what a, what a conundrum if you're an angry uh, Bears fan to go to bed thinking that Cody Parkey cost you your season with the double doink and then waking up to realize that the kick was actually blocked. But it was still Cody Parkey's fault. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's definitely the offensive coordinator's fault for not giving uh, Tree Cohen more than four touches sure. in a playoff game. Uh, but it's also Cody Parkey's fault for not making the kick. No, it's a, and I just think about it, and I was trying to think of what the hockey equivalent was where a player literally just can't come back to that team. Like, they have to cut him. What yeah. would the equivalent be? Um, it, it might be like a goalie that gets like lit up in a really big game. I'm trying to think what would be like. Like, Rene got lit up in the playoffs. No, he's yeah, fine. He's a, he's, a, he's a franchise legend, not a journeyman kicker. I will say this, though. If you, uh, uh tweeted or wrote a death threat to Cody Parkey on Instagram or on Twitter after this game, um, you should really feel bad about that, and you should not do that uh, because it really does affect the rest of us trolls in saying horrible things to him. Our horrible things get looped in with all of your horrible things, which is really unfair. This has been a beautiful PSA presented by <laughs> Disney. Because, I mean, essentially, we're just trying to say things like you shouldn't play football anymore or you are a horrible kicker or you know, hit another crossbar dummy. And then when you're making death threats, well, then that just that just comp- now we're all in the same boat. I don't want to be in that boat with you. Hmm. Your boat's terrible. Your your boat's like it, it smells of, of rotten fish and, and garlic. My boat well, is Thomas Middlevich's bitch. Yeah, my 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 boat's deplorable. No question about that. But it's not your boat. <laughs> that's for sure. I don't want to be in your boat. So stop making death threats because you're making me look bad. I don't think I want to be in either of these boats. All right, here's Linda Cohen. All right, joining us on the line, our good friend and the host of the best hockey highlight show for my money in the crease on ESPN Plus. It is Linda Cohn. Linda, thanks for joining us. How are you? We're doing four ninety nine a month ESPN Plus. Hello. <laughs> well, on top of that, like people don't understand that it's it, you get you get the show, you get games, you get all the thirty for thirties, you get Peyton Manning talking smack Stop. on a bunch of other quarterbacks on his show. It's all worth the price. Yeah, you know what? I mean, we're not just like, you listen, we work for the company, everybody gets it. But the point is, I love looking at it because I never know what the heck I'm going to get, right? Right. On ESPN Plus, like what show, what series. I didn't know this was on ESPN Plus. Cool. So, I mean, 
Yeah, it's worth uh, discovering for those who have not uh, looked into it. All right. We each get an extra 17 cents in the old paycheck this morning. <laughs> yeah, right. Ooh, don't know how I'm going to spend that. <laughs> but speaking of money, and we're about six yes. weeks out from the trade deadline, I know that a lot of people who follow the New York Rangers are wondering about their salary cap crunch in the future and how it might be affected by this trade deadline and putting off assets. And that is all to do a long-winded intro into Eric Scott's question for you, Linda. And it says, since New York Rangers fans are pretty much split 50-50 on this, where does Linda Cohn see Kevin Hayes and Zook Matsukarello by the end of the year? Not on this team if the oh. Rangers are smart. Yeah. I mean, what is the point of hanging on to these guys? This team is not making the playoffs. I mean, Lundqvist can only do so much. And as we know, it hasn't been great lately for the King. So, I mean, this team needs help, especially on the back line. They need depth, and you need to you – you have value – you have tremendous value with Kevin Hayes, you know, and no, there's no better time to unload him. And a team like Winnipeg would love him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's that exactly. I mean, talk about adding depth to your, your down-the-middle position and to a team where, well, you know, he can really contribute. And Zuccarello, sadly, the Rangers didn't look to trade him in the offseason because – this season obviously hasn't been the same at Zuccarello. He seems to miss his buddies that the team unloaded because he's just not the same player. Hmm. Now, one quick follow-up before we let you go. Is there any surprise players on the Rangers roster you could see moved? The guy for me is Chris Kreider. He's, he's making $4.6 million, which is a really reasonable cap number for the next two years. Very versatile. Rangers love him, but, you know, the team could pay a lot to get him. Yeah, once again, I mean, he has totally overexceeded expectations this season, right? So his his stock, it, you know, I don't know if it's going to go any higher. The guy's, what, 29 years old? Uh, I don't have, a, you know, my, the bio of Chris Kreider in front of me, but he's getting up there, and you just don't know how many. See, okay, 27, right? So, I mean, it just depends. I would look at everything. If I'm Jeff Gordon, and I'm sure he is, I would look at everything. And also, I would revisit to Henrik Lundqvist. i go, are you sure you want to stay with us? <laughs> I would go back at him and say, you sure you don't want to lift your no-trade clause? Because he looks, you know, drained and drawn. Mm-hmm. And you know how many times he's been pulled in the last few games, and most of it's not his fault. You know, 98% of it's not his fault. So <laughs> I'd revisit that, but probably you'd get the same answer there. Yeah, Philly doesn't really suit him well. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the other thing about the the Rangers that I find kind of interesting right now is, oh, boy, I wish there was a way they could get Kevin Shattenkirk to waive that no-move clause they gave him. You know, if there was a way that you could package Shattenkirk with Hayes and get that contract off your roster, that'd be great. But I I feel like the guy signed there to live in New York, he certainly isn't going to leave New York. That's the whole point of having a no-move clause. Exactly, and that's where that doesn't look good on the resume of Jeff Gordon, right? I mean, that 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 there wasn't a lot of, you know, that just doesn't reflect well on that decision making. It just looks like guys that come to New York who come home to yeah. New York usually don't pan out. There's only a few that do um, that aren't major disappointments. Many of them just drop down a few notches because they feel like they're there to retire. You know, it's like the back in the day, right? I mean, mm-hmm. 70s and 80s Rangers where, you know, the players went to New York to live well and retire there on that team. But, yeah, it's disappointing. Shattenkirk, of course, we all know is a great guy, um, amazing human, and he's been hurt, and, and, and yet the cost so much. And, and like you said, the deal was not a great one. All right. Now, where can the people listening to this podcast find your stuff, Linda? Oh, in the crease, nightly. <laughs> um, 
four ninety nine on ESPN Plus, right? Four ninety nine a month. Uh, you get everything, but actually, you know, then this week, uh, three of the nights, you get Barry Melrose with me oh. tonight, Wednesday, and Thursday. So, Sounds I mean, like that's incentive to sign up right now. Exactly. Yeah, really. Hello for Barry's best. You ah. never know what this guy's thinking. No. So, uh, and he's always so fun, but. Um, yeah, a lot of good stuff um, out there, but, you know, I'm really proud of the Islanders, by the way, because I was one of the few that said of the three Metro teams, they would, uh, they would uh, you know, have to show the most improvement and not take a step. Well, they couldn't take a step that far back, but um, the Islanders are for real with Barry Trotz. I really like what they've done. Well, I really like the they, fact they, that Trotz is this sort of redemption arc going where things went as they did in Washington. He, he, he ends up in, 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 in with the Islanders, Tavares leaves. And then all of a sudden the team's like a playoff team. It's like, it's such, it's a great, they're, they're an underdog that, that deserves a little bit more rooting interest than I think people have given them. You're right. And you guys know about Robin Leonard. If he keeps this up, it continues to be a wonderful story for them. For sure. Thank you, Linda. All right. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. So since the show is all topsy turvy with all these calls and stuff, we're going to do a feature that we normally do in the middle of the show at the end of the show. It's time for Satch Got Your Number. This forward is the last player to win the Calder Memorial Trophy without ever playing in the World Junior Championships. Who is he? All right, so this is where Sash and Shandon, I forgot to mention, gives us a piece of trivia, and then we have to figure out who it is. Normally, it's a number, hence the name of the bit. In this case, it's a name, unless the name is a number. This sounds like stalling to me. I'm going to say Scott Gomez. Whoa. I'm totally drawing a blank. All right. Here we go. See, your answer is no answer. Yeah, I'm trying to stall, but we got to Would go. you like a hint? Yeah. We've had him on the show this year. Matthew Kachuk did not win it. <laughs> <laughs> Who do we have on the show this year? I know. Jeff Skinner. Oh, that's a good answer. Go ahead. Jeff Skinner, currently playing for the Buffalo Sabres, won the Calder for Rookie of the Year in 2011 after debuting at age 18, so he never appeared as a junior for Canada. There it is. You know what? I wanted to give myself a half point because I did get a hint from producer Ryan, but I'm going to give myself negative. That's cheating. I'll, and it was a pretty good hint. I, I think you I think you deserve the full point because you remembered a guest from the show this year. <laughs> Because you and I are both writers, we're both sort of. Uh, it's done. You put it out of your mind. You move on to the next thing. I could, I could literally remember four people that have been on the show, and most of them are the callers today. So, <laughs> Linda, did you like, win? Did Jack from Niagara Falls win the caller? Um. All right. So, or John rather, Jack from Niagara Falls is probably you know could have won a caller. All right. Uh, that's uh, ESPN on Ice for this week. By the way, the rant line is still rocking and rolling. Uh, it's not always going to be that all you people get to call in during the show. We do need your rants each week. Um, it could be things you're angry about, things you want to get off your chest, someone wronged you, gritty threw popcorn on you at some point. Whatever you want to yell at us about, please do it at this number. 860-516-1029. All right. That's it for the special call-in edition of ESPN on Ice. Uh, I'm Greg Wyshynski. You can find my stuff at ESPN.com and at Wyshynski, W-Y-S-H-Y-N-S-K-I. You can also listen to my other podcast, Puck Soup, which is like this one, except less hockey and more cursing. 
And I'm Emily Kaplan. You can find myself on Twitter, Emily M. Kaplan. I encourage you to read all of our stuff on ESPN.com this week. Greg's story on hockey in Alabama was truly delightful. Oh, thank you. And uh, we appreciate you. Bye. 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 This has been ESPN on Ice with Wyshynski and Kaplan. Subscribe to the show in the ESPN app or Apple Podcasts.